0: Well, church, grab your Bibles tonight and turn to two places. Number one, turn to Matthew chapter 13. Go ahead and go to Matthew first. And while you're going there, if you're there quickly, hold your finger there and go to Luke 11. So Matthew 13 and Luke 11, tonight we're looking at a message entitled in our parable series, The Parable of Persistent Prayer. What does it mean? We're going to look at this tonight, persistent prayer, or to be persistent at prayer. And when you mention the word prayer, most often, uh, the Christian uh, has a tendency to hang their head down, because I think no matter how much we pray, we feel like we don't pray enough. I think that's true. But then on the flip side also, a Christian walks around in an attitude of prayer. And I'm wondering if you recognize that. I'm wondering if you realize that. I'm wondering, church tonight, if you recognize how much you do pray. I think you may pray a lot more than you think. Because you and I have the tendency to think that prayer is when we're only in our prayer closet or in our lone time or when we're uh, bowed in in knee, that that's the prayer time. That certainly is prayer time, but you're going to see tonight that the Bible is revealing to us that prayer is something much more common among the believer. I want to believe, as Charles Spurgeon believed, that prayer... And the spiritual life is just like our lungs working every moment of the day and bringing in O2 and expelling the poison out of our body, the spent air and the oxygenation of our blood cells. That is just natural. You don't think about it. We just do it. So this could be very encouraging tonight, I pray. Matthew chapter 13, verse 1, which sets up the stage. Matthew 13 is really the holy of holies of parables. Matthew 13, 1, and on the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. That is Galilee, Tiberias. And great multitudes were gathered together to him so that he got into a boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke, verse 3, many things to them in parables. And so now he cast out divine truth alongside the ears, the minds of the hearer. And a parable, as you guys well know now, a parable is a tool designed by God to deliver truth wrapped up in a common expression or a common picture of the day. The parables that Jesus used then, they would be different for us if he were to speak them in our culture. He might use today, a man went out to the Apple store to buy a Mac. I mean, he would use things that we would all, oh, yeah, yeah, I know that. He would say things like, a man, you know, got his kids and went to Disneyland. And while he was going, we would go, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. He would speak so relative to our culture, to what we live. And they all got it. But there were those who heard what he was saying, but they didn't get it. Two people could hear the exact same delivery, and one get it, and the light comes on, and the other one, nope, I don't get it. And not only does that word exonerate one person because their heart is open, but the other person, the very same word that could give life to one guy winds up being condemnation to the other, and it's all based upon how receptive the heart is to the truth of God's word. So when we talk about persistent prayer and what Jesus is going to say to us in a parable, the word persistent in the Webster Dictionary means a tenacity, a determination, a doggedness, a resolve, a stubbornness. We're going to see that the Greek meaning is a little bit more colorful than that. Luke 11, verse 5 now, turn to Luke eleven five, and here's where we pick up in what Jesus is teaching us. Luke eleven five. it only appears here in Luke's gospel, this parable. And Jesus said to them, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, that is of bread, For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within saying, do not trouble me. The door is now shut. My children are in in bed with me. That is in this compartment, this house. I'll explain in a moment. And cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is a friend, Yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. Bible students, note takers, jot this down. The key, listen, the key to understanding Bible is the context of where it lands in Scripture. Church, never take a verse out of a chapter and build a doctrine on that one verse. That would be dividing the word of God in a wrong fashion. The context, chapter, section, where a verse is found, determines or wraps that verse in support. So when you read a verse, especially, boy, I tell you, it applies in all areas of doctrine, but it's never more. Uh, powerful than when you look, for example, at Bible prophecy. You always want to read the verse in light of the chapter. And you will have a great example here tonight of the meaning and the necessity to understand what this passage, these few verses are saying, because the context shapes it for us. For example, you're in Luke 11. Look at verse 1. Watch what precedes verses 5 through 8 and then watch what follows verses 5 through 8 Luke 11 1 now it came to pass that as he was praying aha Jesus is praying in a certain place when he sees that one of his disciples said to him Lord teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples that's interesting huh prayer must be taught John did it the disciples see their need to be taught so he, Jesus, said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Look at the next verse that follows. Verses 5 through 8 is this parable about persistent prayer. But now look at verse 9. Remember the context. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, Jesus is not beating up on these guys, he's saying if you then are just mere humans and you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, please underline that, that's critical to our study tonight, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is a parable of contrast. It's interesting. It's a brilliant way of teaching. It's a little bit different than some of the things we've studied before. This is a parable of contrast, meaning this, that Jesus takes the lesson, listen everybody, and goes from the lesser, that is the, the raw presentation of it, and he's trying to get the listener's mind to move upward and lend. Land at the greater. He starts at the lesser. We can all understand that. And he's going to land them at the greater. You can do great destruction to yourself if you overanalyze this parable. Because, for example, you may be thinking, oh my goodness, wow. Well, no wonder why I don't like to pray so much because if I ask God for something, he's going to yell at me and say that he's in bed and he doesn't want to get up and answer. That's, by the way, how some... Interpret this verse, this passage. You see, when you take a little chunk of it and look at it that way, they'll say, oh my goodness. Oh, prayer. Why pray? God's going to yell at me. you got to read what we just read now in totality in Luke 11. Jesus is saying, listen, your Father in heaven, ask, ask Him. Knock, seek, go after Him. He wants to answer you. So what's going on here? None other than encouragement to pray. To engage ourselves now and to be encouraged, to be persistent at prayer. It's very good news. Number one, persistent at prayer this way, in the face of life. Can you mark that down? In the face of life. We see this in verses 5 and 6. And he said to them, which of you shall have a friend? So he's telling a story that they all get. And go to him at midnight. And they're going, oh my goodness, that you... That would not be good, but if somebody came, it must be very important. And say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. This is the scenario. To you and I, we go, What is he talking about? But let's put our sandals on and go back 2,000 years ago, first century Israel. Most people, unless you were wealthy, most people, this is how they went to bed. Okay, you with me? All right. Honey, it's time to go to bed. By the way, nobody stayed up late and worked on their stuff. Imagine this. When it came time for bed, no kid said, I'm just going to stay up a little bit and watch the Flintstones or something. No, 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 no. Okay, mom, honey, got fresh bedding. Most often it was a, a, like a, a wicker type rolled out thing with padding underneath, straw, stuff like that. She lays down in the back end of the room. Most of them lived in one-room apartments, studio-type things, we would say today. Then, Dad would get the kids. Get all the kids and put them against Mom. Then, now watch, this gets crazy. It depends on, do you happen to have a servant? If you have a servant, then the servant goes against the kids. Think about going to Subway tonight and building a sandwich. Okay, you're now tucking them in. If it is a very, very bad weather kind of night, or I'm not kidding, if you have maybe some young sheep, some frail animal, you would bring the animal in. Isn't that something? The last one to lay down would be dad. He would be laying down between the doorway, the protector, the defender, and the family. And dads got up before the rest of them to go do dad stuff in the morning. And so that's the deal. And it's a big ordeal. People are layered in, packed in. For warmth and for safety and the door is now shut and ain't no one gonna open the door. It's a big deal. And if somebody knocks on the door, if dad's gotta get up, he could wake up the animals or wake up the kids. And if, if everybody's up, then it's a bad deal. It's a big deal. Now do you see why the man is saying, hey, come on. Dude, it's midnight. You should have had some bread in your house. You know, why should I get up for your poor planning? The scenario, everyone in the hearing of this would have went going, oh man, don't you hate when that happens? (laughs) Life happens that way. Persistent prayer. In this case, it's first century Israel, and that's how it looks. In your own life, in your own mind, set it up for you. Maybe it's different for you. Maybe it's different between you and I. But the guy is basically saying, come on, man, it's going to cost me so much to get up to answer your prayer, your request. It's midnight. My kids are in bed. My wife, everybody's tucked in. Come on. A parable of contrast. What does this mean? Jesus is teaching this because God is not like that. That's what this is about. If you've got a neighbor that you can't watch this, it's kind of a hook. It's kind of cool. If you can go to your neighbor at midnight and knock on his door, and the issue is keep knocking because there's a <laughs> there's a little bit of leverage. And I'm getting ahead of the game here, but it's kind of fun to keep in mind. If you keep knocking, he has to get up. You want to know why? In the Middle East, hospitality is number one. If you've ever been to the Middle East, it is amazing. Strangers will take care of you. It's remarkable. It's crazy. We were in Jordan one time on some crazy, a bit lonely road somewhere. And we thought we were going to die. We finally came to this what looked like a gas station. And this guy comes out totally wrapped up in Taliban looking stuff. I thought it was the end of us. (laughs) The guy almost broke his neck to, to give us Turkish coffee. Come here. How much is it? No. And I was with Amir, and Amir, Amir said, Listen, you can't do that. You, you offer him money that offends the guy. I mean, okay, okay. It's just so from the heart. Stay tonight. No, really, we have to go. No, no, stay tonight. ay ay ay. It's amazing. This culture, if you don't show forth hospitality... It brings a very bad name upon your home, your family name, and your village. People congregated together in housing. Not like us. We try to, you know, get a far away, build a wall, a fence around. Not them. They depended upon their neighbors. So if somebody's knocking on the door, the last thing you want is say, hey, come on, get out of here. The guy's probably going, get out of here. Can you just leave place? Shh. The guy's knocking. You don't want your neighbors to look at your house and say, oh man, what a bum. He's not let that guy in. Well, curse that family. Think of it. So there's a lot at stake here. The guy is, the, the visitor that is, the guy who needs the bread, he is comes believing. He knows the culture. The answer will come inevitably. Are you getting this for yourself? So knock. And Jesus is saying, if a person who's a human is put out, and yet his culture requires him to give, and eventually he's going to get up and give, then God is not like that. God will give without you having to beat the door down. It's a contrast. Now your mind, and it should write, raise this question. Well, wait a minute. Are you saying I just pray once and then leave? I didn't say that. Don't I do persistent prayer? Don't I stay at persi- Yes, you do. There's a reason for it, and we'll get into this tonight. But Jesus is contrasting from the lesser to the greater from human response to God response. One is obligation. One is grace. God is willing to answer. Here's what your problem and my problem is. Think of it. The moment I said God is willing to answer, you might come back and say, well, then why didn't he answer me about this thing and that thing? Ah, I betcha he answered you. You didn't like the answer. I'm, I'm convinced God answers us almost always. I think God answers always, inevitably. But we often miss the answer because it's not the answer we wanted. It's important. In life. This is life. And so contrast these things. The ability of a friend to help Church, listen, isn't it limited? Your friend is limited to help you. He's a human, but not God. Okay? Contrast. The hour of visitation is limited. It's midnight. Dear friend, have you ever cried out to God in the night? Has he not been there? In fact, doesn't it seem like he speaks louder at night? The scope of grace between one another isn't that limited you and i can only show one another so much grace because we're humans is god's grace limited no way a parable of contrast the association of friendship has limitations but god is not limited in fact he invites us to a sonship or a daughtership a family The capacity of humans to supply is limited. There's nothing about God limited. It's a contrast. Prayer is to be an ongoing conversation for us as believers. We know this. You might say, well, wake me up when this study is over. I know all this stuff. But before you fall asleep, let me ask you something. Why do we not pray more then? If we already know all this stuff, why do we not pray more? I think we don't pray often enough because I think we're too self-dependent, too self-reliant upon our own resources. I'm just, No, I'm just speaking for me. Then I'm thinking, I, I, what, what do I need to pray about this for? You know, I've done this a thousand times. I can go do there, and I can, I can, I can, I can get these shoes on. I can really do it. It's amazing. I think God wants us to be in the activity of prayer about everything because if we knew the truth we are incapable of accomplishing anything at all pastor i can't believe you insulted me on this fine summer night well matthew chapter 6 mark it down if you would or turn there if you're quick matthew 6 verse 5 jesus said and when you pray you should not be like the hypocrites For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place and your father. Wow. Two times in one verse, he says, father, which was unheard of in the Old Testament who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. I hope you don't pray from a prayer book. That's what he's referring to. He wants it to come from your heart. Can you imagine? Can you imagine going home tonight to your husband or to your wife? Hey, hey, Dear sweetie, I love you. You drive me crazy. I'm mad I'm mad over you and you're just the best thing that's ever happened to me. Thank you. <laughs> Could you imagine? Isn't that weird? Can you imagine going to God? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth it, Amen. God says just keep it, will you? Well, who are you talking to? What I've heard you say that 20 times a day. God is listening. He's real. He's a person. What have we reduced him to? He wants to talk to us. It's amazing. The second thing is this persistent prayer in the face of fear. In the face of fear. This is kind of cool. Watch verse (laughs) 7. And he will answer from within. This voice comes from within the house. Do not trouble me. The door is now shut. My children are in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. (laughs) Jesus is saying, listen, this is what's not going to happen when you cry out to my Father. You may get this response from a human, but you're not going to get this from my Father. Can you imagine honestly in fact let me be kind of wild about this the bible from cover to cover pleads with god is pleading with us to talk to him over and over again he say he says call out to me right come to me over and over again nowhere does he say don't talk to me i'm busy I'm in heaven up here running the universe. Don't bother me. Not once. But don't you sometimes feel like that? And yet the Bible doesn't say that anywhere. Do you see what Jesus is teaching? We've been conditioned to think, well, you know, I don't know. Jesus is saying, look, you know this in life. If you go to your neighbor and you're being persistent with your neighbor about getting a loaf of bread... And you know eventually he's going to give it to you, even if it's just a safe face in the, you know, cul-de-sac or in your village. He's going to do it. If that guy will do it, then how much more will your father in heaven who loves you and who's listening at all times answer you? And he'll do it. He will always give an answer. Can I insert this? Because I don't want to forget it. The thought of this today kind of brought tears to my eyes because this is what God has done most in my life. I say most. You know what? I can probably say 50/50. God so spoils me and I've told you guys before. There's times when I realize, man, I need some encouragement. And I love all of you. Don't get me wrong. And and I'm just making this up right now. I'm fine. I don't need any flowers. <laughs> I'm good. I'm just this is a, I'm teaching now. This is true, but it's for an effect. Regarding some other time, not now. When I get down, I will say, Lord, I need you to encourage me. And when you do it, don't let me miss it. Because I'm real thick. Amen. I'm serious. You know what? You can almost put a stopwatch. I can tell you within 24 hours, it blows my mind. You might say, "Uh, that's because you, psychologically, you woke up to your need, you prayed the prayer, and then you were in tune waiting for the answer because you prayed the prayer. It's the prayer that puts you in the mindset to look for something positive. Not true. Not true. Prayer, listen, prayer does not change the mind or hand of God. What? What? It doesn't change anything about him. Prayer changes me regarding what he wants to accomplish. Listen, God sees my heart. He knows that I need encouragement. He prompts my heart. Oh, Lord, the thought comes in. Hey, he gives encouragement. God encourages. Lord, will you encourage me? Does he not know in advance before I even pray what I need? The Bible says so. Do you have any needs tonight, anybody? Did you know that God knows the need you have before you even ask him? You say, well, then why, why do I even have to pray for it? That's what I'm talking about. Prayer molds and shapes you to receive his answered prayer. Listen, when I pray rightly, and I'm persistent at praying rightly, my mind is changed. My attitude has changed to receive, listen, the answer. The answer might be yes. The answer might be no. And then it might be that dreaded answer that we don't want to hear is wait. And wait sometimes is manifested in a... A uh, warm silence. I'll put it. It's not like the heavens are brass, but God is just not answering. And then we keep persisting. We keep asking. We keep asking. Church, listen, listen. How long? How long should we be persistent at prayer regarding an issue? How long until you get an answer? Well, do I pray once or twice, three times, twenty-five times? Listen. Remember how I told you a moment ago, God sometimes will answer my prayer and I can put a stopwatch to it. What brought tears to my eyes today in preparation for this is on the other side of that equation is I have seen God and I'm watching God answer prayer now. And this is what blew my mind. I totally forgot that God is answering prayer right now that I prayed 30, 40, or 35 years ago. So what what are you saying? I'm saying now as I'm living life and I'm seeing things going on and I'm seeing family and I'm seeing ministry and seeing stuff that I've been reminded by the Holy Spirit that these were things I prayed about 35 years ago as a new believer. And now they're happening. Can I say this without discouraging you? Apparently, God told me to wait about 35 years for the answer. Can you handle that? You, I don't care if you handle it or not, you're gonna to have to handle it. It's a fact. There's stuff that God, you've asked God about, and it's been 12 years. And I can just hear women right now saying, I've been praying for a man. I've been praying for a man. How much longer do you have to wait? Believe me, it's better to wait than to get some buffoon. To get some buffoon of your own making. Wait, ladies, wait! <laughs> i can't take it anymore i gotta I gotta marry somebody oh no somebody call the call the paramedics or something <laughs> don't do that no listen in the face of fear we're to be persistent. Yesterday, I was in uh Minnesota uh, Monday and Tuesday, speaking to pastors there, and I was checking out of the hotel and the concierge there at the hotel, not a Christian. Uh, You could see he was just trembling. And uh, his daughter, six weeks ago, was diagnosed, she's six years old, diagnosed with cancer. And you pray, right? And what's going to become of that child? Only God knows. But that mother and that father... It doesn't have to be absolute devastation. It doesn't have to be. Because God is even in those issues and those situations of life. Fear can absolutely destroy you if you have nowhere to go in prayer. By the way, let me say this. I have no doubt in my mind that everyone prays eventually. Everyone prays at some point in time. Everyone Lord, teach us to pray. I think it's within the human heart to pray. I don't care who you're thinking about. Oh, you don't know my my grandfather is such an atheist. Yeah, for now. Listen, I have found out people who are atheists, they can afford to be. They can afford to be atheists until their kidneys stop working or until, do you hear what I'm saying? Their heart stops. It's easy to say you're an atheist when things are going smooth. It's pretty amazing to see how, how many atheists cry out to God in prayer when there's a big bump in the road. I'm convinced everyone will eventually pray. The Bible says in First Thessalonians 5.17, and this is a great thing to combat fear. Listen, fear, worry, anxiety, stress. First Thessalonians 5.17 says, Pray without ceasing. You say, oh man, you're digging a hole for me. Jack, how can I get out of this? It's getting worse. No, wait a minute. The word ceasing means uninterrupted. Oh, it's getting worse. You mean just pray without interruption? Yes. The word means pray without omission. Pray without ending. What does that mean? That means walk, live, go to work, go to sleep, wake up, go to the bathroom, drive an airplane, whatever you, drive an airplane, fly your car. Whatever you do. Whatever you do, talk to God. Oh Lord, this, and oh Lord, that's a nice thing, and that's and Lord, lead me, and what about this thing? And aren't you constantly getting information all the time about stuff? Pray. Pray. Well, do I stop? No, keep walking. Do I pull over? No, keep going. Do I close my eyes? Keep them open. (laughs) Just be in the attitude of praying to God. How often? All the time. You can do this. I think you do do it. I think you do. Psalm 145.18 says, The Lord is near to all who call upon him. I don't feel like God is near. Call upon Him! (laughs) He is near to those who call upon Him and to all who call upon Him in truth. What is that? All those who call upon Him biblically. What does that mean? Not my will, but thy will be done. This is the biggest hindrance, I think, to our prayer life is we go to God, and we might veil it and drape it, but we go to God with our agenda. I want it to go this way. And I'm going to take it to God and get it out there Heaven bless it, and then I'll then I'll get it done. No. Remember, this is a parable of contrast. If a human will do this eventually, then God is ready to answer. Years ago, somebody said to me, "Do you have God's phone number? Do you have God's phone number?" I thought they were nuts. What? Do you have God's phone number? Go, what are you talking about? This is kind of cute. Are you ready? Want to write it down? This is what the little kid said. It's Jeremiah 33.3. 3. What? It's Jeremiah 33.3. 3. Call Jeremiah 33.3. 3. what is that? Call to me, right? Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. How are you going to know? You won't know unless you call to him. I don't know what to do. I'm freaking out. I'm filled with fear. You know why? Because you don't know what's up. I don't know what's up, so you freak out. God says, call to me. I'll answer you. And I'll show you what's up. Isn't that neat? It's amazing. J.C. Ryle, the old Scholar and theologian of yesteryear. Listen to what he said. This is awesome. God is the one who does not sleep. He's commenting on this parable. God is the one who does not sleep. He is the one who awakens us from our sleep and prompts us to seek him and to ask of him. Isn't that great? I love that. God, does God ever wake you up in the night? Don't you? I mean, I say this respectfully. Don't you hate that? Because he doesn't wake you up like you know, hey, uh, let's hang out. You want? No, it's always with a, it's always with something. You know, have you ever been sleeping and you wake up and it's like this? You're sleeping and it's in a, in, a, in your friend's name or somebody. Boom, their name. Boom. What? You, it's two thirteen. I don't know this person. What's the who's that? I've had this happen to me not too long ago. It was a. It's a news guy on NBC News. NBC News, his name. Two o'clock in the morning. Brian Williams. Brian Williams? God? Who, what? I don't know him. Brian Williams, NBC News. All right, Lord, get him. What, is he in trouble right now? Save him. Watch over him. Send angels to surround him. I don't know his family. I don't know him. God, you know him. What's the deal? Brian Williams, I give him to you, Lord. Intervene in this life. You know the answer. Whatever's going on in Jesus' name. Amen. You know what I'm talking about? You ever have that happen? It's crazy weird. Sometimes God just wakes you up. And you you know, because you know you normally wake up? It's like, oh, you're tossing and turning, wrestling with the sheets. And it's, oh, oh, and you got to get up. And then there's times when you go like this. You're just... You know what I'm talking about? Lights on. You just must as well get up and go pray. Because you're not going to be going back to sleep. He's just not going to let you do it. I know you know this. God will wake us up. God will knock on our door. Hey! Let's talk about bread. I want to talk to you. He's amazing. Psalm 100. Verse 4 and 5, this is cool. I think this is wonderful. How should we enter prayer? Now today, did you see on the news today, they um, they've uh, picked a new pope. I don't know how they do that, but they got a new pope today. And uh, they do what they do to get a a pope. And uh, so everybody out there in... The St. Peter's thing, they're all like, yeah! And then, you know, the people are going crazy. And then it comes time to unveil the Pope. And did you, did you guys see it on the news tonight? It's, there's the, and <coughs> now... <and I'll, laughs> horns blowing, there's people and stuff. And then they pull back the curtain and all these guys come walking back from behind the curtain. This is the whole deal. And they go like this. Are you with me? Look at me. They go like this. <laughs> <laughs> they look like... I don't know. They look like... They just heard the worst news they've ever heard. Did you see it? No one's smiling. He's like, I don't want to be the Pope. What? They look so bummed. So bummed. The people are probably down there going, we're so glad we're not the Pope. We're so glad we're not the Pope. I don't know. But all the guys up in the top are so disappointed. They look so bummed. In the Pope, he, the Pope is... Look. Why do I say this? Because prayer, Psalm 100, verse 4, says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His mercy endures ever, uh, everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. You are to come into the presence of God. Yes, Lord! Wouldn't it have been crazy amazing if the Pope would have come busting through the... The curtain. Hey! Yes! <laughs> Praise the Lord! Can you imagine? In Israel, the Ark of the Covenant, they had worshipers out in front of the Ark of the Covenant praising the Lord. Listen, Israel sometimes had battles, and God said, Put the worship team in front and put the soldiers in the back. Who goes to war like that? Drummers! (laughs) bass players, get out there. Isn't that amazing? You're to enter into this with praise. Father, thank you, God. Your ear is always intended to my cry. It's amazing that you're waiting to hear from me, Lord. It is amazing. Lord God, with all of your desire to work in my life today, I ask you to do your will. I, if I try to impose my will on the day, ignore me, change it. Your will be done. Don't let me get in the way, God. Don't let me get my fingerprints on anything. Your fingerprints on everything. So, Lord, here's the day. I give it to you. It's all yours. And whatever happens... You're responsible for it. In Jesus' name, amen. And you get up and you go and you praise the Lord. Philippians 4.6 is the New Testament counter part to Psalm 100. Be anxious for nothing. Wow. Some Listen, pastor, say that again. Be anxious for nothing. That'll bring joy, huh? But in everything by prayer and supplication... With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Man, that will whip fear. Third, persistent prayer in the face of waiting. Verse 8. I say to you, though, he will not rise and give to him because he is a friend. Notice this. Look, we're friends. I got bread. You've got the need. I'm not getting out of bed because of that. Be hungry till the morning. Tell your friend to wait. We'll be friends in the morning. I'll take care of it then. That's what he's saying. Yet, because of his persistence, he will rise. Why? Because remember, the family name cannot be shamed in the village. Oh, right. And opens the door and here you go. Get out of here. The guy goes back to bed. He saved his village. He saved his home. He saved his name. The guy got what he wanted and went back home to feed his buddy. Everybody wins. Jesus is teaching by contrast saying, God's not like that. If you can be persistent at your neighbor's door, then why can't you be persistent at God's door, right? And expect not only an answer, but be happy about the answer he gives you. It's going to be the right answer. I prayed to God and I got this answer from God and I think it was the wrong answer. Hey, you never say it like that, but that's what you're thinking. He doesn't give the wrong answer. Never. This word persistence, some of the margins in your Bible have the word shamelessness or shameless. To ask shamelessly, it means, watch, this is beautiful. It means the person asking is shameless. Listen to this. The word means shameless tenacity, shameless stubbornness. Don't go away and now this guy on the inside the same word applies to him family name everybody knows us oh, it's our culture to do this oh I gotta get up both are persistent isn't that neat isn't that amazing it's awesome Psalm twenty-seven, fourteen says wait on the Lord be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Wow. Wait like this. I'm going to go through this very quickly. It won't be on the screens, so write fast. Genesis 18, and a great example of waiting in prayer upon the Lord Abraham's persistence with God at Sodom and Gomorrah is amazing. Genesis 32, Jacob's persistence in wrestling with God. He said to the angel of the Lord, which was none other than a Theophanies. He said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And the angel turns and says, you have wrestled with God and you have prevailed. Your name is no longer Jacob, but Israel. Moses' persistent intercession for Israel in Exodus 32. It's awesome. Will not relent to stand and represent Israel to the Lord. Hannah, in her persistence to ask God for a son, 1 Samuel 1. God, give me a baby, give me a baby, give me a baby. Elijah, and his persistence in First Kings 18 asking for rain. It's amazing. You can go on and on throughout the Bible. Keep praying until you get the answer. Please understand what I'm saying. Don't keep praying until you hear the, the yes. Don't keep praying until you hear the no. Keep praying until you hear the answer. And when you get the answer, Christian, remember, you're supposed to be hip on discipleship. And being a Christian and following Jesus. 101, discipleship. When God answers, that's the answer. Why do I say it like this? Because Christians around the world, when they want something, they'll go to a ministry or to a pastor or to somebody or to a friend, and they'll say, what do you think? Um, Blah, 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 blah. And the the person says, the Bible says you shouldn't do that. (laughs) And then they go off to the next pastor and they say, and the story changes just a little bit. And they go, look, it happens here every day. I'm serious. It happens at every church every day. People will come and, and try to sample opinions of people like God is into Gallup polls or something. And when the person finds someone, eight people can tell them, no, you shouldn't be doing that. The Bible says one person who doesn't know their nose from their toe, says, oh, whatever, you know. Whatever feels good, do it. Praise the Lord. Oh, hallelujah, brother. The Lord spoke to me. This happens all the time. Emotionally based theology rather than biblically based theology. It's not good. Persistent prayer, verse 5, in the face of need. Look at it says in verse 5. Give him as many as he needs. The man gets up and gives the guy three loaves of bread. You know what's cool about this? As I said earlier, Matthew 6, verse 8. Matthew 6, 8 says, Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask. Have you noticed that God never goes like this? He never goes, how much, what is it? All right, here you go. Don't spend it all on one spot. Here's some oxygen. Don't waste it. He's always, he gives more. By the way, I think God gives more and he tests our hearts of what we will do with it. See, the man will give what the guy asked for. Doesn't God always give pressed down, shaken together, shaken together, overflowing out of abundance and whatever it is, opportunity, whatever. It's amazing. God's supply is always enough but can I say this in closing? God's supply is always enough. But sometimes it can be very painful, his supply. What if in your prayer and if, you, if, and if in your need, God says, listen, everyone, God says to you, God says to me, I know what you have need of before you ask, Jack. And so, this is my answer for you. For example, Jeremiah chapter 12. Jeremiah is crying out to God the wicked are prospering, you're blessing them, we're losing, evil's advancing. The nation's gone down the tubes. I mean, Jeremiah 12, it's like reading today's newspaper. And he's whining. And you know what God's, and he's, and he's praying. He's praying to God. You know what God winds up saying to him? I think it's, I don't know, it's around verse four or five. You can look at it later. Here's God's, here's God's answer. And listen, sometimes God will answer you and I this way. Jeremiah, if you've walked with the footmen and they've wearied you, then what are you going to do when the chariots arrive? If you're having a hard time right now, while it's easy, what are you going to do when the Jordan River overflows it? Jeremiah, suck it up. You're whining now? You just you haven't seen anything yet. I'm answering your prayer. You are praying for the nation, Jeremiah, But I know what has to happen to get the nation to turn around. And so here's what's going to happen. The enemies are going to invade. And they are going to take over. And this nation is going to be brought into captivity by its enemies. I'll still love you. I'm still on the throne, Jeremiah. You're still my boy. But it's going to get ugly. You are going to be beaten within the inch of your life, thrown into a pit with a hole in the ceiling in mud up to your armpits for days on end. In fact, you're almost going to die in there. I'm answering your request. Church, God has the sovereign right to do that to you and I anytime. He knows our need we think we do, and so if I just get another scratch and sniff or whatever the lottery thing is, I don't know, whatever play ball deal, and all my prayers will be answered. Are you kidding me? Well, you know, I've been praying. I haven't gotten an answer. Well, it could be, it could be 35 years. Wait on the Lord in your need. Don't panic, dear friend. Don't panic, Christian. Man, I'm so lonely. You don't know how lonely I am. That's why He's God. Look, you can be in a house full of people and be lonely. Don't, don't not wait on Him for anything. His answer is coming. His answer may completely change your life. The Christian must be open to his answer. We've watched so many friends suffer lately, and yet, God is answering prayers. What if to God, it is a wise investment that when you and I pray like we do, oh God, draw me closer. I want to know you more. I want to be a real Christian that rocks the world for Jesus. I want to decrease so he increases. When I stumble for you in the end, I don't want to be ashamed. I want to have my life matter for you. Really? God says, really? Well, that's awesome. The only way then that I can do that and you won't go nuts about it and take all the credit is for me to do this to you now. That will prepare you for what's going to come. Are you willing to live your life in such a way that it winds up leading your godless, unbelieving neighbor into a Forever loving, Christ worshiping heaven. You see? Oh God, make us persistent in prayer. To enter into your courts with praise and thanksgiving and joy. And here's where we land knowing that all things work together for good. To those who love God, to those who are called according to His purposes. See, all that negative stuff I said a second ago, true, but God will never let the defeat, apparent defeat, be greater than the victory and the glory. He won't do that. He never runs in the deficit, He's not a politician, He's God.